Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer, and I make tabletop role-playing games. And I'm here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hi, Jess. Uh, yeah, I'm Craig Campbell. I am the owner of Nerdburger Games, and I make role-playing games, too. And we are here with our guest, as usual. Um, not a usual guest, a recurring guest, but we always do have a guest. And this time, it's Joey. Yeah, hi, I'm Jerry Martin. I am the owner of Drowning Moon Studios, um, and I am a professional tabletop game designer. I can say that now because that's what I'm doing for a living now. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. No problem. I enjoy being on your show. Craig, what is our topic for today? What are we going to talk about with Joey? Oh, boy, we're going to get maybe a little deep. Um, because we're going to delve into GMing for uh, religion and spirituality. Um, and that can take many, many, many forms, um, depending on what the game is and what the how much religion and spirituality is a part of the game um, and how much you as a group want to focus um, and, uh, you know, explore themes of religion and spirituality or the character's um, relationship with deities or the spiritual or whatever. There's a lot of different ways to go with this. This is going to be a half hour discussion. That's not even going to come close to touching on all the things that we could probably talk about. Yeah. I have not, I've honestly not given this a lot of thought other than like the regular generic pantheons that, I, that you can find in your Pathfinder or your D and D um, so yeah, jo Joey, tell us a little bit about, uh, why you chose this topic and what made you interested in it? Um, well, partially it's because, um, I'm Jewish and I tend to not see a whole lot of representation for my own religion in games with like a couple of exceptions, but also, um, I've written a couple of different games now that use like real world, um, deities like the Greek pantheon or that draw from things like Appalachian folk magic. And uh, I haven't written anything specifically for voodoo, but I grew up in Louisiana. So voodoo to me is a religion because mm -hmm. that's how it's practiced. So there's just like, there's, it's such like a rich, like um, subject that you could just mine into. And like Craig said, we're not even going to, we're barely going to scratch the surface. I mean, it's also a huge part of a lot of people's lives. I'm not religious. I'm, so it's not a, like a big part of my life, but it, religion is a huge part of a lot of people's cultures and their day-to-day -day lives. And it makes sense that people would want to incorporate that into their own worlds, especially because like if you are making up an entirely different world, even religion is going to probably play part in the cultures that you're creating as well, because that is part of the human experience. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not the best person to get started on this. I've played I've played games that incorporate religion, but I've never designed. Well, I think um, there's there's two at, at at the at the very basic level. There's two sides to this. There's GMing where you've got a game world where there's a fictitious religion or spirituality kind of system organization, whatever it might be, and how you're exploring all of that. And then there's playing games where that are set that are historical or pseudo historical or in some way tied to our world and incorporating aspects of um, actual real world religion 
um, or spiritual practices into the game. And that, um, you know, the, the, the caveat there always is to keep in mind being respectful of the religious and spiritual beliefs of the people at the table of the religions and the, and the spiritualism in general, um, and, and, uh, you know, approaching that with the same care that you would give to anything that's core to people, even if you are not particularly religious yourself, um, you know, you're potentially delving into an area of somebody's core being like something that is incredibly important to them. Like it, uh, you wouldn't go trashing something about religion in the same way that you wouldn't trash something about family. If that's like mm-hmm. for people who's, who have a strong familial bond and family is very, very important. And their, their, their ties to their family are, you know, significant to them. Um, it's, it's one of those things that like, you know, just the, the blanket caveat of like, don't be a jackass about any of this. Yeah. Um and, uh, you know, and then it becomes a question, uh, if you are getting into that, I think of probably talking to the people involved and seeing like what aspects of that spirituality or religion are okay. You know, it, it may, it, the players might be the ones who bring it to you as the GM to say, I would like to, you know, I'm thinking about playing a character who is devoutly religious and has a morality that is tied to this religion and takes action um, and believes things um, based on that and making sure that like that uh, is going to play well with everybody that, that the, the, and that the GM is aware that the person is going to kind of, the player is going to kind of go in that direction. And so you as a GM can be prepared to, um, it's it, a bad word to use, but like as a GM, you are the arbiter, you're arbitrating at the table of like certain things being offered as improvisation into the game and people that are bringing things about their character and developing things about their character. And so just knowing that that's going to come in there and it's one of those things that um, it definitely requires a great deal of communication with anybody who's going to be kind of going down that road with their character, or if you as a GM are going to go down that road with NPCs, Um, you know, like the, it would be very easy to play a a game set in, for example, the 1920s with superpowers um, where there's, you know, there's happens to be, like devoutly religious people who are in um in favor of prohibition <laughs> um and and then also bring that um that belief system to bear in how they think about a lot of other things and it sounds yeah, like go ahead <laughs> that definitely makes sense to me because especially if you're using like real world religions to build off of you have to, a lot of them are culturally related to the people that practice them. So you're not just like making, it's not really a judgment, but it's like you said, an, an arbiter uh, of their actual religion, but also potentially of their culture as a whole. Um, I know like since we're from the U.S. that Christianity is probably the most uh, noticeable and the largest religion practiced in the U.S., but there's so many other religions that are so different from Christianity and if you want to work with one of those, you need to make sure that you are talking to people in that community, that you have a good understanding of what the basis is, how the cultural practices work, what they actually believe, that sort of thing. Um, and I find like if you are doing that as, in a respectful way, it can bring a lot of depth to a game that either, you're either running or writing. Um, a good example was I played uh, an NPC that was very devoutly religious, like uh, Catholic, 
and her her faith was like a big part of her character and it made the character like more real it made her like more grounded and I think it's important especially like in modern settings to have a character that ha- believes in something it doesn't have to be religion it could be money it could be um science it could be anything else but having that core like belief as kind of the backbone of the character it it allows you to tell some really like rewarding stories yeah i played a catholic character once that was also having to deal with all of these supernatural things happening in her life and i thought that it was a really fun way to because like i said for me i'm not religious i don't really have those kinds of experiences it's not an important part of my life but it was it was interesting to kind of embody a character that did have those those experiences and i and i tried to do it um i tried to do it faithfully i tried to tried to do it in a way that let me explore as this character what it would be like if you were having a crisis of faith while um monsters were also attacking you um uh i think that it's easier when it is a religion that you're familiar with because i I have a lot of friends who are catholic and i know a lot about the religion um it's easier when it's like that i think like joey said um and like what craig also said um when it comes to real life religions you have to be super careful with it and um probably and by probably that's a very strong probably have some safety tools and conversations with the other players involved uh before you dip your toes into it uh and definitely and recognize your as the gm recognize your limitations like for example if we were to play a game and joey were to play a jewish character um, I my my knowledge of Judaism is limited. I, I know some things. There's probably some things that I think are true or or that are maybe mostly true or something. Um, but I would be more inclined to let Joey um bring what aspects of Judaism you wanted to, Joey. And then I would use that as an opportunity to learn about the religion. And then that would give me the 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 tools that I need to be able to then interact. Um with you um to play an npc like how would i portray a rabbi mm-hmm. like it once maybe maybe your character doesn't speak to a rabbi early on maybe i i get to know a little bit more about you and your relationship with the faith and some things more things about the faith i do a little bit of research on my own and then i get to the point where it's like okay now i feel like i could portray a rabbi and not be disrespectful in the process mm-hmm. I also, so when people are designing games, a lot of times they add in uh, religions that are unintentionally similar to real real world religions. Like if you're in a, you're designing a fantasy game, a lot of people who have mostly had an exposure to something like Christianity kind of like almost accidentally create um, a, a fantasy Christianity a lot of times because it's what they're, what they've been exposed to. It's what they know. Um, And I think especially, like, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I do think especially when you're designing a religious system that isn't based on something in the real world, that is something that uh, is supposed to be part of the the color of your your setting, you need to kind of look at it a little bit harder and try to determine, like, where are these ideas coming from? Like, what am I drawing from to create this religion? 
and ask yourself, like, why am I drawing these things? Is it because I think that's just how religion works? Or do I think it's going to add something to the religious practices that I'm creating for the game? Yeah, really, really examining your cultural assumptions. I mean, it's like really, too, especially in the United States, when the three major religions in this country are also monotheistic and you might if you're in a fantasy world, a lot of these fantasy games have a poly, uh, polytheistic, like a pantheon of gods. Um, but Joey, you're so right that then they end up a lot of times still being a sort of pseudo Christianity. I'm thinking Game of Thrones, for example. Game <laughs> of Thrones, it has a setting. I mean, it has a monotheistic religion that is um, portrayed as uh, very dark and scary. Um, but the major religion of Westeros is a polytheistic system where they have seven gods, but it ends up like there are nuns who are covering their hair and are like shaving people for all of the same things that you would shame someone in, in Christianity. Um, and it's, it, it feels so, I, I never really liked that about Game of Thrones because it still feels so much like a, um, a Christian influenced world with all of the like the Christian taboos, but with seven gods, and it doesn't seem like that matters at all. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when people do that, it's an unconscious thing. Like they yeah. don't even really understand that they're doing it until someone brings it up later. Yeah. Yeah, because that's all they that's all they know. They think religion is like this. Religion is a is a set of rules and things that you're not allowed to do. Like I, I have, you know, my own assumptions about a lot of religions because I was not really raised religiously. Um, but I try to be conscious of when I'm when I'm making those assumptions, at least. It's hard because it's hard to it's hard to know what you don't know. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when it comes to if you're if you're running a game where it's it's a you know fictitious religion that's been built by the d game designers or if you are homebrewing something and then we'll kind of get into this with the design stuff later too um there becomes a question of like for example i've played many a dnd &D game where in the game world there are gods who have literally walked the the face of the planet and who have shown literal miracles to happen and they they're, 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 there's dead on proof that there are these divine beings with great power um but then like npcs never talk about them like they're there's they're like only the only time a, a temple or a church or a shrine or something comes up is when it's a plot point but it's never just a little bit of world building so that that can be something that you as a gm can help to uh, just to flesh out the world and in, in a world building sense is like, yes, there's the cleric in the group and maybe a paladin or whatever that have these uh, access to um, capabilities that are granted by deities. But then like, what do the other ask the other players? Like, what do your characters, what, what gods do you worship? What do you venerate? What, you know, and it can be as simple as just like your character has a little ritual that they do, or they go, whenever they get to a town, they go to a particular shrine um, to, to, uh, you know, to pray or to offer up something or whatever it might be that, you know, whatever the religious structure re requests of them. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that eats up a bunch of time. It can just be something that's like a little flavor. It gets the point across that this is the world with gods. And this is a world where there are people who, you know, the, the people believe in these, these beings to varying degrees of, 
influence in their lives. Um, and then, you know, what, you know, what about are, is, is there, can there possibly be agnostics and atheists in a world where, um, God's walk have, you know, given, you know, literal proof that they exist, but then it's also probably a world where there's very, very powerful wizards who can do super wacky magic stuff. And like, you know, some people might believe, well, there's no guys. That's just people that they're just people that have, you know, channeled this magic and blah, blah, blah. Um, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of interesting ways you can go with it and you can use it to in, in the fictional world of this pantheon and these, these um, designed religions. Um, you can use that to explore concepts of morality and relationships with higher beings and relationships among people who share similar beliefs and all sorts of things that you can kind of delve into. I think also um, GMing for a player that wants to be something like a cleric or a paladin or uh, some sort of like religious figure, I think it's important to also talk to that player and ask them what they're looking to get out of it. Because if you're a priest of something, or you are um, a devotee of something and it's a major part of like your character, even if it's not like a character class or anything, finding out what they, they think their journey or the relationship to the, the deity that they are a representative of a worship um, is going to open up some possibilities for how you're going to proceed with the game. It will give you, it will give you plot ideas. It will give you um, potential encounter encounters down the line that are of, of that sort of nature. And also just, it's always a good thing to ask your players what they're looking out of a game anyway. So you, you know, like this is the type of play they're seeking. So if you have like someone who's playing a cleric and they're like, well, I'm playing a cleric. I know the gods exist, but I'm just kind of paying lip service to it. That's a valid type of character to play, but you need to talk to your, uh, player first and find out what sort of experience they're looking for through this religious lens. Yeah. Are you looking for uh, an experience where you are just able to enjoy role-playing in a, like a fantasy world with your God and you get to talk to the God and get powers from them? Or are you looking for a spiritual journey? What do you want out of that? I think definitely, um, on your list of lines and veils, um, if you are incorporating religion as a as a GM or you have players who are incorporating them, you should talk about whether or not um, um, forcing them to question their faith is okay or not for that character, because that can be harmful. It can be yeah. harmful, um, and some people might not want that to happen. I I always I like I've I've played in games where like. Like the GM will take away the cleric's power. Like the gods aren't talking to you anymore. And like that, I feel like that's not cool if the person doesn't uh, consent to having that happen to their character. Like if you wanted that to be such a, an important part of your character's life, that's like, I don't know, it's like taking away a family member from them at that point. I think that you should really, really be conscious of um, uh, of that journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think that, um, especially since a lot of people have religious trauma, mm -hmm. um, it's important to, if you're going to have uh, religion and spirituality as a large part of your game, it's important to talk to your players to find out if like potentially something you want to add in is like flavor to this religious aspect of the world could be harmful to them. 
because it's it's a very like religious trauma is a very real thing and sometimes pe people don't necessarily know what's going to set them off so even just talking so you know that your player has these points that they just they don't really want to have in the game will help you a lot to kind of tailor the experience so like if you have a you have a player who really wants to play like a deeply religious character and then you have a player who is very uncomfortable with like overt religious ideas or practices you really need to get like the two of them together with you and talk it out between the three of you and say look these are the things that we're comfortable having in the game the player that's potentially got religious trauma wants to maybe tone down these things and then you calibrate as you're playing like lines of veils is an excellent safety tool for that sort of thing but you also have things like you know you can use like um uh you can just call a quick out of play to do a discussion. You can call a cut. So there's a bunch of different things where you could just kind of like pause the scene for a moment, talk amongst yourselves and determine if you need to go forward in a different way. Yeah. Uh, those, those safety tools that are like you, the, the ones that prepare you for when the other safety tools fail are so mm -hmm. vital in a game. Um, I, I have, I've GM'd several games where, um, where I use religion in the games, I love to have like a a god who picks a favorite person. Um, because I feel like <laughs> if if I were a god, that's what I would do. I'd be watching and be like, ah, I like this person. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see what they're up to. Um, and I like to have them have a special relationship with a character. Um, I made one of my husband's characters become uh the favorite of the god of the goddess of failure. <laughs> um, which was fun for a Powered by the Apocalypse game, because when you fail, you level up. Um, I thought mm -hmm. it fit in really thematically. Um, I love the Pathfinder Pantheon, um, and I like the stories of the Pathfinder Pantheon. Um, and uh, there's a lot of fun um, stories you can pull from there. Because uh, right within the Pathfinder Pantheon, there's a there's a god who used to be a human who ended up ascending like more or less accidentally, and that was really fun to to play with um, as well. And like I said, I've played religious characters before too. It can be a really really exciting way to kind of build the the characterization of a person if you give them a personal connection to the mythology. Um, or at this point, it's not mythology if they're like actual, like real gods interacting with you right now. Um, but giving them like, ah, this, this god likes you right now. And <laughs> as long as they still like you, you can do this, but you have to do this too. And that might change. Uh, I, I, I think it lets them play with the, the world in a way that, just being a magic user, for example, doesn't let you do. Um, I also like it when you can take the god um, or like like two gods fighting over one of the players or the player group and like a, a whole odyssey kind of or, or war of Troy. Um, the Trojan War, that's what it's called. <laughs> the Trojan War kind of uh, deal where two gods are on the other so opposite sides of each other and are essentially using um, all of the people in the world like chess pieces to battle out grudges. I like I like those um, sorts of stories drawn from mythology too. Um, I think that there's a lot of you as the GM when you're control. It's like you're controlling a player, but also 
the world at the same time when you get to role play as a god. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, of the most interesting jamming moments that I've had were, were you know, either role playing as the the voice of a deity or actually, uh, you know, kind of portraying the like the 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 devout character is is debating about whether or not to do you know take a certain action and i'm 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 rep, i'm i'm describing the influence of the religion and how it did like you know well like, you know, don't forget about this or remember this or just kind of like you know finding ways to compound and complicate the the decision and based on the religion that was that was you know being worked from um and uh create you know quandaries that are uh you know interesting evocative storytelling moments and sometimes can be very memorable or even yeah, a I think day use ex machina <laughs> i especially like ethical quandaries um if you're running a game and especially with uh like a pantheon or or like jess was saying about gods that were fighting with each other I like having religious characters that are kind of put on the spot and they have to make a decision and it might be torn between like their own ethics and their faith, or it could be, um, it could be that they are like pulled between two gods where one of them is someone they followed, but then another one is looking more attractive to them perhaps. So I like introducing those sorts of things um, in gameplay because I feel like it makes the game very dynamic. Yeah, it really does. I've been playing Hades, the video game, um, and my favorite rooms are the ones where you have the two guys. Throughout the game, you can get boons from the various Greek gods, and if you get boons from two different gods, probably eventually in your playthrough, there will be a time where you have to choose between one of them, Mm -hmm. and then you choose one, and the other one gets mad, and you have to fight. (laughs) And it's fun. Uh, Um, which makes a lot of sense for especially like a Greek pantheon because the, the in the stories of the Greek gods they were very human and very petty and loved revenge and hated being slighted. Um, I, I I I really like that about like th- those those types of pantheons and I think like a Greek pantheon is kind of what the D and D world is based off of like these gods that are very personified very much like a human um, with human emotions. Um, including the negative human emotions, whereas, like, in Christianity, it's not so much like that, um, which I think is why so many, because if Christianity is the religion that most people are familiar with in the United States, it's the dominant religion here, um, if if that's, if you were trying to role play that, that kind of God that's that's not as much of a human god um it kind of leaves you a little bit limited because you are human with emotions and um i think that's why a lot of people choose to do a pantheon just like a a, a personified kind of pantheon well um, it, it it makes for reading that um is easier to comprehend like yeah. if you're trying to absorb the idea of these religious elements these powers um deities it's it you know if you can put them in people terms <laughs> it's why we you know we ascribe human like qualities to many things to to animals to to cars to you know like to, it just helps us to understand things because the human experiences we understand humans 
out of all the things that we understand imperfectly, we understand humans imperfectly the best. <laughs> um, just because we're trapped inside this human body that like is constantly a frame of reference for us. Well, on the opposite side of that is like eldritch horror, where you have all of these very yeah yeah then that's kind of the scary thing like these unknowable incredibly powerful you cannot perceive what they want out of you or this universe at all <laughs> and that's like part of the scary thing i think i think when people do like an elder tour type game they don't like at least for me i compartmentalize like that doesn't feel the same as a dnd pantheon even though that is technically also a pantheon of gods um just maybe not the ones I would want to be real. Uh, <laughs> that's all. Fair um, enough. In in games, I honestly really like the idea of having gods that are vast and unknowable because it kind of drives home like the human element. Like you were just this small person doing things, going about your life, and there is something so much bigger than you that is incomprehensible, and how are you reacting to that? It doesn't even have to be horror. It can literally just be, this is a part of your world. How is your character dealing with the fact that they know that these huge, powerful, nearly incomprehensible beings exist and occasionally may just make a foray into the human world and wreak havoc or change something for the better or the worse? Um, I don't know. I just, I like... If I'm writing uh, a game that's like that, and honestly, if I'm running a game as a GM that has that option, I'm always going to go for the vast and unknowable and weird because, and I suspect this comes from my own like religious upbringing because uh, the God, our God in Judaism is vast and unknowable effectively. Like, I mean, there's obviously petty things that God has done in the past, according to our writings, but from the like I'm I'm reformed Jewish and the basic core one of the basic core tenets of it is that we can't know what God's plan is. We can't know God. And it's not really our responsibility to try to. It's our responsibility to try to take the world that we've been given and make it a better place. And God being God is just kind of, I don't want to say incidental, but it's kind of what it's like, where it's just not, he's not a figure that's supposed to be um looming into your daily life. He's someone that is not known knowable and because you don't know him you take what you know as a human and you build your cultural practices your religious practices around being human that i think could be such a good springboard into designing a memorable and thoughtful game based on religion i i i can see why that 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 kind of pantheon would be or god um in a game would would be interesting to explore because of that. As we sidestep into designing yes. <laughs> for religion and spirituality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like I just, you know, to kind of start off the conversation, um, running on the assumption that you are, we're talking about having actual religion or spirituality of some nature, or maybe even multiple types um, in your game world, it's a question, you know, of what what fits the world. What types of things do you want the characters to be able to explore and experience? What you know, if there are game rule type things that are going to be tied to the religion or spirituality, like what might those be? Um, and you know, there is nothing wrong with doing a 
what I refer to often as a familial pantheon. There's a lot of pantheons um, um, here in the real world from older religions are, you know, familial. They're, the gods are related to one another in some way. Um, they're brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and you know, parents and children. And they have, like you said, very human um, kind of relationships with one another, like the mother or father might, the, the parent gods are either, you know, they're distant in a way that you can recognize as like a parent being distant from a child or they're loving and nurturing in a way that you can recognize a parent being loving and nurturing with a child or they're constantly challenging the child in a way that you can see a, a parent doing that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with developing um, a pantheon of, of that nature. But that said, you know, there's a lot, uh, you know, just from, from a, a advice standpoint is like, you can take take a little time and give some thought to different types of religions and spiritual practices and see if there's maybe something that would be more interesting for what you want your game to be about. Because ultimately, probably the best decision point for, um, for incorporating um, a religion is, you know, like what how, what what do I want this to serve the game? How do I want it to serve the game and the types of stories that we're going to tell with the game? And there's a lot of different directions you can go with all of that. Um, and it's a, it becomes a little bit of a question of like, how much time do you have? Um, or how many friends of like very varied backgrounds do you have that you can, uh, that you feel comfortable saying, hey, could I pick your brain a little bit about um, animism? Or could I pick your brain a little bit about voodoo? Um, and try to understand uh, more about things that you're maybe not familiar with and decide whether you want to utilize you know, something that's similar to that. Not necessarily replicating, but you're going to you know, start from the, the same base uh, tenets um, so, so you of those types of religions. So you don't fall into the, the thing we were talking about earlier with, oh, it's just Christianity again. I'm designing. But, but, but reskinned <laughs> with this other yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, Joey, have you ever included uh, religion in the games that you've designed? Um, I have, but not my own. Um, so I, as many nerds once were, was a major Greek mythology stand back when I was in like elementary school. Oh, yes. And so that's always stuck with me. And I've written, um, I've written a tabletop game that uses Greek mythological figures to kind of tell its story. And I'm also running like in a few months I'm running a LARP that's about the Greek pantheon in the modern world. Um, so I always end up coming back to the Greek pantheon. <laughs> Mostly, I think it's because they, uh, they're they so, as, as Jeff said, they're human. They have like human wants and desires and they get offended easily. And there's just so much, there's just like so much there to mine for interesting content and interesting um, things that your players can get into if you're designing that type of game. Um, it just, it kind of makes the game world a little bit more, how do I put that? It makes the players in the game world a little bit more involved because they know that these creatures, especially if you're drawing from something like Greek mythology, they're, they're going to have some whims and you're going to maybe have to dodge those or learn how to work with them. And because Greek, the, the Greek pantheon is so popular, like it's especially mm -hmm. popular right now, like it's having a moment right now, but a lot of nerds, that's where they started was with the Greek pantheon. And some of us just never, we never get tired of using it over and over again. Now, well, that's, and, go ahead. No, they, they're they also kind of present 
in our our lives because of how Western civilization spread from Greece. So there's still a lot of like influence regarding them. Um, and also within our language of the Norse pantheon, even with our days of the week, for example, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot, there's a lot that still is highly influential um, with these older religions. Now that said, um, I mentioned like voodoo earlier. Um, one of the games that I have, it's, I just actually uh, crowdfunded, uses a lot of U.S. potentially religious-based cultural practices as part of its mechanic system. And like we mentioned earlier, like doing a lot of research and talking to people who are in those sorts of practices is going to be key for something like that. But you also can look at um, why these practices occur and what they're going to bring forward in your game world, much like Craig was saying, like, why is it there? What does it support? What do you want to do with it? Um, And I chose to do something like Appalachian folk magic. And uh, it's basically like North Arkansas folk magic, which is a very like tiny subset. But uh, these are cultural practices that are common in certain communities. And some of them are religious and some of them are not. And knowing like what is and what isn't religious makes a really big difference in that type of game. Like I know I mentioned voodoo again because I know people who practice voodoo, but it's not it's not actually as how it's been represented in media a lot of the time. It's not like, you know, black sorcerers making like zombies and stuff like that. It's, it's more a religious practice that is tied with Catholicism and some of the deities from different parts of Africa and the other parts of the world. Um, Like for example, the Brigitte, which is an Irish deity is also a deity in voodoo. Um, So especially if you're looking at a culture and a religion that's so heavily enmeshed together like that, you have to be very careful that you're not making it seem trite or making it seem like uh, it's, it's something that can be just brushed off because to the people who practice it, that's, it's very real to them. It's their religion. It's, you know, well, I mean, we've gone over like, you really need to talk to people that do this before you actually like insert it in your game. But I think when you do, you can get some really like rich cultural depth to a game you're designing. I mean, the same thing goes for even like Greek and Norse pantheons too. There are still people who are in that religion. Just because we think of it as mythology and now it's stories doesn't mean that that's true for everybody. Mm -hmm. I know a couple of people who are... uh... My brain just died on the word pagan. I don't know why I couldn't remember that word. I know a couple <laughs> of people who are who are pagan who actively worship aspects of the Greek pantheon, specific deities, or like the whole pantheon. And to them, that's also their religion. They know, for the most part, that it, most of the world is not going to treat it that way. But to them, it is. And it matters. Uh, and it, 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 it may be worth keeping in mind too, like we keep coming back to religion and how it ties to culture is, is if you're going to incorporate the religion um, in some aspect into a game, like some real world um, religion or a clear stand in for um, a real world religion um, is to, to give thought to, you don't necessarily have to write a religious text to kind of tie it all in there and write a history of how the religion came to be in, in the culture, but having some under, you know, like just having a basic understanding and being able to present that in your, um, in your product 
that in, in, in the manuscript of how this came about in the culture and what it, what the religion's relationship to the culture is, um, makes the, the religion feel more real and more, uh, you know, more, uh, strongly a part of the world, um, and makes the world feel more complete, you know, just from a design point of view is like world building is one of the things that we get, we get into talking about quite a lot. And one of, you know, one of the ways to help make the world complete is to have a holistic view of how all these different things sort of tie together. How does the monetary system tie to the um, trade routes and how do how does all that tie to uh, the, the cultural practices like just uh, sec- secular practices and how does that tie to religious practices and how does that tie to um, whatever system of government is in place and you know how does that tie to how families how the family unit is treated um, and and whether it's revered or whether it's just kind of there and like there's all sorts of different interesting ways you can tie that together and some of it might you know if you don't specifically tie it together the reader will will make those connections for themselves um, and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that it makes it more personal for the person who's kind of um, like absorbing the world that you're creating but they will you know they'll tie it together because it is a human part of the human experience is how these, how all these things kind of fit together as a puzzle. Um, and so if you want to have a particular uh, presentation of it, you need to define it. And if you don't, the more you don't define, the more you're saying, okay, it's okay for this world to be interpreted very in varied ways um, because people will bring their own culture um, and, and use the the things that they're familiar with to kind of tie those things together. Well, I think this works this way because this and this go together this way and so forth. I think you need to be cognizant of the fact that people are going to bring their own interpretations to the table to a game when you're designing, let's say you're designing a pantheon or something, a religious organization completely from scratch. Um, You really need to understand that people, because of their exposure to other religions or exposure to other cultural practices, are still going to look at the thing that you're creating whole cloth and draw their own conclusions. They're going to, it's just a natural part of the human, of human nature. It's pattern recognition. We're all drawn to make sense of things in that way. Um, And I like creating religions whole whole cloth, but I do prefer to do it with um, player input. So like if I'm play testing something and I, I, it has a religious, uh, a religious aspect to it. I want to get feedback from my playtesters about how that that religious aspect is working for them as players and how they feel it is incorporating into the world. And they can give suggestions of things that because it's not my experience with it, but they have a different experience that might make it richer and more um, more like a keystone of the world that you're building. But I mean, like 95 of my advice is just like, hey, talk to your players. <laughs> yeah, that's the motto of this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, another important thing to think of is like what what mechanics, if any, are going to come out of these gods that you have or gods that you have in your game, too, because if they are a real and present force in the character's lives especially if you have magic in your game what does that mean for them are there special skills that come from it is there a class that involves the gods does everyone get this do only a couple people get it um it 
you might have to think of some reasons why. Why can't I, if if the gods are real, why can't I just have them come solve their problems? Like, is there a reason for that? Um, or on the other side of things, what if the players are all gods? What does that mean? Why can't they just snap their fingers and have everything be the way that they want it to be? Um, like, thinking about the amount of power, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. Like, mm-hmm. what what's that mean for what your players can and cannot do in your world uh, that you're designing? Um, I don't know. That's a really tough task to even think about, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're creating the pantheon, pantheon. And also, what does that mean for the people who are actually playing your game? Yeah, I think the mechanics is very, very important. Because if you're going to have a religious aspect in the game, you need to decide whether they're going to allow the players that interact with them to do like really specific skills or perform miracles and that sort of thing. So you need to look at your your mechanics that you're building for this game and see where, where that fits. Um, and it's valid to like have a, a game that has religious themes to it, but not have uh, like a class or uh, skills that a player can buy that makes them able to do miracles or makes them able to get these powers. Like you can just have it as part of the world and it's something that they deal with culturally, but not necessarily deal with as uh, as mechanically as their characters. But then you have the other option where you can be like, well, we have this, this religion we've written for this world. So what do we think we can use it for to give the players something interesting to do? I was talking about this game on the last episode. Um, there's a game called Clockwork Dominion. I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. Um, it's... Um, one of the co-creators of the game is an Episcopalian priest. Um, so the game itself is a steampunk horror game uh, with a lot of um, a lot of clear Christian influences into it. It's very interesting how they build a world around it and how they use uh, Christian mythology in order to build the world. Um, and it also ties into the mechanics and also the characters that you can play. So one of the kinds of characters you can play is a descendant of a fallen angel. What does that mean for them? Well, it means that they don't really die. And when they do die, they, they don't get to go to heaven or hell, which causes its own problems. Um, very existential horror type, um, uh, implications from, from this, uh, worldview. Um, and also within the game, uh, the idea is that um, the the Pontus, the the chaotic, um, the chaos from which the world is created by God, is really trying to reclaim the clockwork of the world that God created. So every time you draw a certain card, um, the Doom card, um, the Pontus rises, and and chaos happens, unlike the order of the clockwork. Um, and if you draw the fate card, something really good will happen because you are following the fated order of the world. Um, I think that the way that that game ties, ties the mythology directly into the mechanics of the game is really well done, really helps build a world that feels complete and makes it feel like it matters. Um, I, like, I can't imagine playing that game as a like w- with a non-monotheistic world with with a re- with a with a religion in the world that is different than what they had already designed into it just because of how how well they tie the 
the background straight into what your characters are doing. Um, I haven't encountered another game that does it quite like that, but I also don't play a lot of like religious, religiously bent games either. Um, it's very inspiring to me, but I feel like I can also, I would never be able to come up with something like that because I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have that experience. I don't like, I don't have those implications in my own life. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, I would love to make a game where, where the kind of unknowable God and, and the history of the universe matters in such a way. I'm just musing. <laughs> <laughs> do you have some do you have some time to learn all you can about <laughs> like that's that's the that's the challenge right for yeah. incorporating that sort of thing like I, yeah like, like, jo so like joey said like pantheons make their way into greek style pantheons make their way into a lot of games by by the game designers because a lot of nerds started with greek mythology or or norse mythology roman mythology all that all have a lot of uh, similarities to each other um but that's not to say that there aren't other approaches and so it yeah it, it becomes kind of one of the things where maybe you need to partner with somebody um if it's if the religion aspect is going to be an important part of the game and that's not your area of expertise maybe partner with somebody um for the purposes of writing portions of it um that uh you know have to do with the religion find somebody who you know is of that religion or who has studied that religion um in, in depth um, and take that burden off yourself and just learn the things as you go. And, you know, the, the, the other person um, becomes the the person that you know, is, is doing more the heavy lifting, so to speak, um, because they've already got the knowledge. They've already got it all there. Or, you know, if you're the person who like, we all had our moment at the beginning of the pandemic, right. Where we're all like, I'm going to learn a skill. Like I'm going <laughs> to learn a language or I'm going to learn to fix my car or whatever, like, you know, there's, if you want to, if you're the, the type of person who just loves to constantly learn things, that's, that's an opportunity to, you know, if you're designing a game, you suddenly have a need to learn about this religion or this spiritual practice. Um, and you can delve all the way down deep into that. Um, and I didn't, I didn't delve into any religion in that respect, but, you know, I've done that sort of thing with prohibition with capers i mean i dove deep into learning about prohibition and learning about um, some of the cities and some of the things that happened in the cities and then farmed some of it out to other people who then dove deep into other cities and found out what happened in prohibition in those cities and they built little micro you know micro page uh, one page settings for things that we could expand the game but i you know the whole little history thing that talks about um how a prohibition came about that's a condensation um a condensing of, uh, you know, much, much research on my part to kind of learn how that actually all happened. And you can do the same thing with, with any aspect. Um, but with something like religion, of course, there's, uh, you know, a little extra care that's probably best to be put toward that. Because if I get some detail wrong about how prohibition came about, it's not going to probably offend anybody's worldview. Um, and uh, with religion, that's a different story. I think also one of the big things when you're designing a game that has a religious element to it, um, it's important to ask yourself why it's included and why it's why and how it's included. Like, why are you putting this in the game? What do you think it's going to serve in the game? Is it just there for flavor? Is it there because it's going to influence your player characters? 
basically just ask at every step of developing whatever religion you're inserting into a game design, why is this practiced this way? Why um, is this the dominant religion? Because it, again, ties all back to culture and how we, we as human beings or even fantasy creatures of the game interact with uh, culture that's been shaped by things like religion over like hundreds and thousands of years. Ooh, heady stuff, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> One of the more deep topics we've tackled on the podcast. I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm actually making a game uh, right now. I'm in the beginning stages of designing a game where you play descendants of gods. Um, very Greek pantheon style. Um, so I will have to take some of these lessons to heart. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, where can we find... Oh, first of all, thank you for joining us. Yes. No problem. <laughs> where can we find you and your stuff? Um, you can find my work primarily on drowningmoonstudios.com. I also have stuff on DriveThruRPG and Itch, and those are both uh, Drowning Moon Studios. So just search for them, you can find them. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Um, I'm a wayward moon, and then my business account is Drowning Moon RPG. I don't use it as often as I used to, but sometimes I announce things there. Um, and uh, I actually just finished uh, founding a crowdfunding a game called Wayfaring Strange, which has all the Appalachian folk magic and has a, kind of a weird culty thing where people like effectively worship. Uh, cryptids and like weird liminal forces so that was part of the reason why i was very interested in this topic because i'm like i'm doing something with religion right now but um the we just finished crowdfunding that and it'll be up for uh pre-order in like two or three days so that's all in backer kit um i use backer kit crowdfunding so basically just search for wayfaring strange on backer kit crowdfunding and it will take you right there you can find me on Twitter at Josca or at wannabegames.com or find my games at one uh, DriveThruRPG or itch under wannabegames. You can find me at NerdBurgerCraig on Twitter. Uh, the Kickstarter for What is Light Without Dark, which is a supplement for Good Strong Hands, is ongoing right now. You can check that out. Um, that is a quote from the movie Legend, if you are uh, familiar. I have I have a feeling that if I ever do another supplement, it's going to use a quote from another 80s fantasy movie um, <laughs> because that's my jam. Uh, and you can go to nerdburgergames.com for all sorts of things about uh, what I'm doing um, and what Nerdburger Games is all about. And then also to drive through RPG to buy stuff. And I'm going to be, uh, Nerdburger Games is going to have a booth at Gen Con this year. It's own booth. Woohoo. So come find Woo. us. Are you an indie TTRPG designer or, or LARP designer or board or card game designer? Do you design games and you're not Wizards of the Coast? You, you, can, <laughs> <laughs> you can nominate your game for an Indie Groundbreaker Award. If your game was released since June 1st, 2022, it is eligible. You can see all the other eligibility requirements at igdnonline.com slash groundbreakers. Submissions opened on May 1st, and they will close on May 30, 30th, 30th, or 31st, 30th. 30th. There's no May 31st. The end of May. They will close the end of May. <laughs> You're um, you really can... good with May. I, I don't understand May as a month. <laughs> the month does not make sense to me. Also, I'm a teacher, so May is a bad month. It's the worst month. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, we have Memorial Day in the middle of it, but it is uh, hectic. Um, regardless, you can find out all of this information at igdnonline.com slash groundbreakers. Thank you to our opening closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs, and thank all of you for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Bye-bye.